Have you been to the place where the fireweed grows? The caribou roam and the northern lights glow. Come learn from the people who call this place home. This is Denali 360. Welcome to Denali 360. I am your host, Nova Cunningham, and today we have the pleasure of having Jason Hill. He is the general manager of Doyon Aramark Joint Venture which is in charge basically of Denali National Park. We call them the concessionaire. And they help take care of everything from how to travel throughout the park, the buses that you can get on to tour Denali National Park, as well as campgrounds, restaurants, anything that's available in the park proper. So welcome, Jason. We're glad to have you. Hey, good morning. (laughs) So tell us a little bit, uh, you have been in this position for about how long? I've been in this position for two years, but I've been working here in Denali for 14. Oh my gosh, 14 years. That's fabulous. How did you start coming to Denali? What brought you here? You know, it's it's funny when you talk to any classmates as far back as, oh, I don't know, second, third grade, Alaska was always on the map. I always told people I was going to live here because honestly, I am a wuss when it comes to the heat. <laughs> wuss. I know that, those Midwest hot, humid summer days. I can't do them anymore. So I had an awesome job, loved my coworkers. um, And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to go on an adventure and put in my two weeks notice. Everybody thought I was crazy, including myself. Uh, Came up to sell bus tickets in a national park, Uh, huge pay cut, huge change of scenery. Uh, Didn't know anybody, never been up here, fell in love with it. I'm one of those stories that I came up for a summer and stayed. That's fabulous. So I think it's interesting. A lot of people come to the park, but when they get here, they're confused. You oh, know, yes. <laughs> how they get into here, how they travel through the park, uh, what what are the do's and don'ts. So that's what we're going to discuss a little bit today about how to explore and enjoy the park, how to stay within the park boundaries if you're a camper, an RVer, um, and just kind of shed a little light on how to go about that. So let's start with something really basic. If you want to get a reservation to either get into the park on a bus or to stay in the park, where does one go to do that? Yeah, so one would go to reservedenali.com. That's uh, all, all information, all reservations for camping and bus tickets are, can all be found there. That link is also provided uh, through the National Park Service website if one finds their way there. But Denali is a very confusing place, even if you know what's happening. It, uh, it's unlike any other national park. You cannot drive your private vehicle the entire length of the park road. It's restricted to conserve the wilderness, to conserve the, the wildlife. So you do need to take a bus. There's also no entrance gate that one normally associates with driving into a national park. So the entrance gate is actually done by the ticketing agents when one picks up their bus tickets to go into the park. So it is confusing. For, for people who've never been here before. It's confusing for people that have been here for many years. But uh, yeah, reservedenali.com is where you wanna go to start planning your trip into Denali. It's absolutely worth it to come visit. I agree 100%. Mm-hmm. So somebody has reserved their tickets and they want to come pick them up. Where do okay. they go to do that? Yeah, so the main hub is going to be the Denali Bus Depot. Uh, A secondary hub is the Riley Creek Mercantile that usually caters to camping check-in, 
Uh, it does stay open later than the bus depot, but uh, yeah, the Denali bus depot is going to be the place to, to come pick up your tickets. Uh, pro tip, you definitely want to arrive a minimum of 20 minutes before your scheduled departure time. For tour buses, so let's back up just a minute. There are two kinds of buses to take into the park. There are tour buses and there are transit buses. Tour buses are going to be your guided experience geared towards either viewing wildlife or reviewing the natural uh, and cultural history of the area. Uh, there are different tours that cover those different needs. There's also the transit buses, which are comparable to a transit bus system that you find in the city, where you take it into the park um, and you get off and go hiking, or you just ride it if you want. It's not narrated. It's not geared for the wildlife viewing. You will certainly view wildlife if you see it, but the tour buses have upgraded technology to enhance that experience. So with figuring out what you want to do first uh, is number one. And then when you come to pick up your tickets, you come into the Denali bus depot, you arrive 20 minutes ahead of time and make sure you know that the pickup time is the departure time. It is a little bit confusing. The transit buses are also often referred to as hop on, hop off, but your departure time from the bus depot is scheduled. So you want to make sure that you are there uh, with your printed tickets in hand. You've checked in with the agents a minimum 20 minutes ahead of time. Uh, buses are boarded first come first serve. So those people who need some extra assistance, maybe you're motion sick or just want the better selection of seats, definitely arrive early. Uh, otherwise, uh, the seats that you may want may be taken by people who arrive before you. So I work backwards a little bit because I find that when people get here, they're not sure where to even start. So that's mm. a little bit why we started with reservations, where they can find what we offer. So let's now work uh, a little bit more about what all you can do when you are here in the park. So the bus depot is located just in the front entrance of the park about... How far from the entrance? About a half a mile. From half the a park mile there entrance. on the right hand side. And that's a yeah. good place for people to even stop and get information. But I think a lot of times people arrive here and then want to make the reservation. But mm -hmm. so many before them have already reserved and they're disappointed that there's not the availability. So part of why I wanted to start with the website before you ever got here is just really reminding people that before they arrive, they need to plan. This is a great park to plan ahead of time of what you would like to do, how you would like to explore the park to kind of enhance it. Doesn't mean that there's not last minute tickets available. There certainly are, but this is a good place to plan before you arrive. Absolutely, advanced reservations are highly highly recommended whether it is for a camping reservation or a bus reservation definitely having that plan ahead of time is going to save on the headaches and the disappointments that might come from not having the availability that you were shooting for when you showed up without a reservation. So let's talk about some of the things you can do in the park. We will talk about the bus tours a little bit more in a second. Mm -hmm. You've teased us about those which is delightful. Uh, we a person can drive their personal vehicle a certain distance. Let's talk about that in a minute. A person can camp, whether that's tent camping or RVing in the park. Of course, they can hike some of the trails, but also understanding that the national park is primarily trailless. There are trails in the front country, but when we get into the back country, it's a different experience for that adventurer and explorer that wants to get into the park. So let's start with the most common 
way that people explore the park, and that's through the buses. So you talked a little bit about um, a transit bus as well as a tour bus, and they break down even further. So talk a little bit about the tour bus. They do, yeah. So we'll start with the tour buses. There's a number of different tours that are offered. The, the pinnacle one is the Tundra Wilderness Tour. It's about a seven to eight hour excursion. And, and I do want to caution people that even though some of these bus times seem long, once you're on the bus and you're absolutely engaged and seeing what you're seeing while you're out there, it absolutely does not seem nearly as long as these times indicate that they would be. Uh, you kind of get lost in the moment, and that's the magic of this place. The park sells itself. You're out of cell phone range your entire trip. Your focus is primarily on everything that's going on around you while you're out there, and it's it's amazing. So the Tundra Wilderness Tour is geared for wildlife viewing, plain and, I, and simple. I think what's really neat is how long these bus drivers that are driving these buses have been mm. working for the park. Yes. So we have several bus drivers who have over 40 years of driving this park road. They fell in love with it early on in their careers and they stuck with it. Uh, Denali is an amazing community. People just fall in love with it and come back and come back and come back. It's a quite a special place. So I think a great thing is how knowledgeable the bus drivers are, whether it is on the wildlife itself, the landscape of the park, the botany, the birds. I mean, I think, uh, you know, they've, they're so well read and they've, they've come in with a passion for the park and they're able to give you so much more information that if, if, you drove your own personal car, it would not be as valuable as an experience, I don't think, for that person seeing the park for the first time. They are incredibly knowledgeable about what they do, and they have a sincere passion for what they do. It, If you've never seen the Denali Park Road, it's its own beast. And to have someone drive you on that road is very much the safe option to do. It is to prevent, obviously, a whole bunch of cars from being out there is why the bus system was implemented in the early 70s. And it's proven to be a model to reduce crowding across all the national parks. And I'm very excited and very proud to have that here. Is It does present its own challenges, for sure. But it's a great system to preserve the wildlife and the nature out in the park. And these drivers do an excellent job tying all that together during your experience while you're out there. So that was the Tundra Wilderness Tour. Sometimes mm -hmm. we use the acronym TWT. Talk about another tour option. Yeah, so a shorter version, not really geared toward the wildlife, but geared for the cultural and natural history of the park itself is the Natural History Tour, or the Denali Natural History Tour, or we do like our acronyms, the DNHT. Uh, that's about a four and a half to five hour excursion that goes out to mile 17 of the park road. Uh, to put that in perspective, the Tundra Wilderness Tour goes out to mile 62. Private vehicles are allowed to mile 15. Um, the times of these buses are pretty high the farther out you go because it's a 35 miles an hour or slower. It's a one lane road. And you obviously wanna have time built in to view the wildlife, view the landscape, get off the bus, use the restrooms these important things that are out there. Um, but the Denali Natural History Tour, it encompasses the, like I said, the cultural, natural uh, history of the park, 
you view a historical cabin. Uh, there's a presentation there, and you do get to hear from native Athabascans about their way of life and why it's, this area is so important to not only them, but their cultural as well. Uh, very eye-opening uh, and an amazing trip if you're unfamiliar with any of the Athabascan history of interior Alaska. Nice. Transit buses. Sure. Transit buses, uh, also known as the green buses or the hop-on, hop-off buses, they depart the Denali Bus Depot uh, roughly about every 30 minutes, starting pretty early in the morning and running about every hour in the afternoon till well, 3, 4, 5 p.m., depending on the time of year. And you schedule a time to depart and you schedule a destination as well. So there are four primary destinations to the transit buses. Toklat, which is at milepost 53. The Isleson Visitor Center, which is the most popular run at milepost 66. Wonder Lake, which is at milepost 85. And the old Kantishna Mining District out at the end of the road at mile 92. And those, if you were just to stay on those buses and go out and back, Toklat would be, let's see, Toklat would be six and a half hours. Isleson would be eight. Wonder Lake would be 11. Kantishna would be 12. Again, those seem like really big numbers, but the trip certainly does not feel that long while you're on it. No, I've done all the trips and they're wonderful to get out there. And I don't care how many times you've done them. They're, mm -hmm. they're phenomenal. Bicyclists like to come into the park yes. as well as hikers. Mm -hmm. So when they're jumping on those transit buses, tell us a little bit about how they can move around the park as well. Yeah. So the transit buses are a choose your own adventure style ride into the national park. And if you want to take a bike, you can. You just need to make sure you reserve the bike spaces when you make your reservation. And there are ways to do that, but you would have to call to get those bike spaces. Unfortunately, the website will not allow you to book those spaces. Um, but the website, again, reservedenali.com, can provide you with a phone number to call to not only get your bus tickets, but get up to two bikes on a particular bus to go out and uh, either bike further into the park or bike back or bike a short distance. Again, it's choose your own adventure. Uh, for those hikers, choose your destination of how far you want the bus to travel and your departure time and go have a day out there. And the wonderful thing about the transit buses is the drivers are driving and everyone aboard is looking for wildlife. If you see a, a wildlife or an animal that you want to take a picture of or you see it, just literally yell stop as loud as you can and the driver will stop and take a look at whatever it is you're looking at. If you see a vista that you want a picture of or you see a, a great picture of the mountain, maybe the Mount Denali's out that day, yell stop, the driver will stop. You can take that picture. Uh, if you want to get out and hike, you see an area you're like, I need to get out here and go hiking, yell stop. The driver will let you off, uh, go hiking, or uh, stop so you can get your bikes off the bike rack on the front of the bus and go biking. And if you get super excited and you see that wildlife and you yell stop and that turns out to be a rock, well, that happens to all of us, so welcome <laughs> to the club. But it's a wonderful adventure out in the park. Um, and it, it all comes down to what you want to do. If you want that absolute educational experience with the wildlife viewing and the upgraded technology, then a tundra wilderness tour is where you want to look. If you're interested in going out and going hiking, 
or going camping by tent out in the wilderness somewhere. Um, that's, there's a little bit of extra work that's involved through the National Park Service to do that. But ultimately, you're on a transit camper bus and you can go out and do that. So choice is yours. Choose your own adventure on the transit buses. Uh, hiking, biking, camping, transit, educational, out and back, upgraded wildlife viewing, and all the educated drivers, Tundra Wilderness Tour, Natural History Tour. Yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell, for sure. If a person wants to camp or mm-hmm. bring their RV, there are specific campgrounds that are located in Denali National Park. Talk about those campgrounds, what kind of camping is allowed, spaces, how you reserve them. Sure. So there are six campgrounds in the National Park, three of which uh, do allow RVs and cars, three of which are tent only and are only accessible via the bus system. So for RV camping, the, the largest and most accessible is Riley Creek Campground. It's located just at the entrance of the Denali Park Road. It's actually also the only campground with cell service. So if that's important, uh, note that all of the campgrounds that offer RV sites are bound by the same regulations and setups. And what I mean by that is none of the campgrounds inside the National Park offer hookups of any kind. No power, no water. Um, There's also generator hours to help preserve the soundscape wilderness aspect of the park. So generators uh, eight to 10 in the morning, four to eight in the evening, and no exceptions outside those times. And that sounds harsh sometimes, people that need for whatever reason to run their generators at night or um, things of that nature, but it really is to preserve the wilderness aspect of the park and preserve that soundscape. So if you need additional generator times or hookups of any kind, there are a number of campgrounds located just outside the park that would be definitely better than camping inside the park. But if you're fine with the generator hours and the no hookups, then Riley Creek Campground right at the entrance, Savage River Campground out at about mile 12 of the park road, It is on the paved section of road, so private vehicles can come and go uh, up to mile 15. And then Teklanika Campground at mile 29. And that is beyond where a private vehicle can drive, but you are permitted to drive there as long as you stay a minimum of three nights. You get one trip out, one trip back, and use the bus system while you're out there to move around, go hiking, go see the park. It's a pretty neat setup to be out there as well. On the tent side of camping. If you want to stay in a campground, you can stay at one of those three RV sites. They also have tent sites as well. But there there are three tent-only campsites, Sanctuary at mile 23, Igloo at mile 34, and Wonder Lake all the way out at mile 85. Uh, All three do require uh, bus tickets to access, and those can be reserved through our call center, which that number again can be found at reservedenali.com. For those individuals that are interested in doing backcountry camping, uh, not staying at a campground and going out into the park, I mentioned earlier there's some extra work that has to be done through the National Park Service. If you go to the Denali National Park Service website and find the information on backcountry camping, that's going to be the the start of your journey to do some backcountry camping while you're up in Denali. It's a wonderful place to start. with the transit bus system, 
if you get off and go hiking or camping or biking, you literally hitchhike a ride on another transit bus to come back. So if you're out in the backcountry camping, then you don't necessarily have to get back to a certain point, like getting back to where your car is parked. You just have to get back to the road and hitchhike on a transit bus to get back. And also in the main summer season, it doesn't get dark here in Denali. So if you get spooked, you hear something, you can go out at two in the morning and take a look around. You don't need a flashlight, it's daylight outside. And so it makes for a really great beginner backpackers as well as advanced uh, backpackers park. So whether you want to camp in an RV, in a tent, in a campground, or in the backcountry, Denali is a wonderful place to do that. And with the bus system, it makes it very accessible for anyone. Is there a dump station available for the RVs? Yep, great question. So adjacent to Riley Creek Campground here at the entrance of the Denali Park Road is the Riley Creek Mercantile. It's a small store that uh, does offer camping supplies, food items, a few souvenirs. It's also the main desk to check in for your campground. Even though you may have a reservation, you still need to check in upon arrival to receive the proper paperwork to reach your destination and campground. And adjacent to this Riley Creek Mercantile is a dump and fill station. It's free to use for those that are camping inside the National Park and it's available 24 hours a day. Weather permitting, as we're recording this, it's snowing outside uh, and the lines are frozen. So in the early part of the season and here at the late part of the season, it's definitely a possibility. Um, So while the intent is to have it available, it's all weather dependent. If people are interested in having food, a common question is where can I pick up food in the park and understanding that they really have entered into the wilderness. Yes, that is a great point. So again, it kind of depends on the tour bus that you take. If you take a tour bus, either the natural history tour or the Tundra Wilderness tour, food is gonna be provided on board in terms of snacks and water. But it is a rather lengthy trip, so bringing some additional food and water with you is never a bad idea. For the transit buses, no food or water is available. No food or water is available out in the park. So you need to bring everything with you that you're going to need for your entire excursion, whether it's an eight-hour round trip on the same bus to the Isleson Visitor Center or your 15-hour day because you got off and went hiking somewhere. You do need to make sure you're fully prepared for what you're encountering out in the wilderness. Pack in, pack out. Pack in, pack out. So let's talk about um, bear canisters. Mm -hmm. So um, for those who want to go camping in the backcountry, bear canisters are going to be required on the National Park Service website under the backcountry camping uh, page. They do list which ones are approved to use. Make sure that you have one of those. Uh, if you're going to be doing that. If you're going to be staying at a tent campground or an RV campground for that matter, there are food lockers available. If you have a car, an RV, obviously keep your food all locked up inside. If you're tent camping in one of those locations, there are food lockers available as well as the tent only campgrounds to store all that. So you don't need a bear can if you're staying at one of those uh, campgrounds. Are pets permitted in the park? That's a tricky question. Yes, they are. Um, but they are not permitted in several areas of the park. And I would have anyone who's interested in where pets can and cannot go visit the National Park Service website for Denali. Keep in mind, if you do have a pet with you, that leaving your pet locked up 
inside your RV for seven, eight, nine, ten hours, depending on your bus trip, is a long time. And you can't leave your pet locked up outside, as that's against any of the rules that the Park Service has established. Um, there are only a couple of trails where pets are permitted, but the majority of trails, pets are not permitted. And just park wide, you're only going to find most of the trails here in the first 15 miles of the park. Once you get beyond where private vehicles are allowed, it is a trailless wilderness. Um, but pets are not going to be allowed out into that wilderness. So you want to be mindful of that as well. While we're on the subject of trails, talk about some of the trails that people can explore in the front country if they're just wanting something short on their own, uh, a path to follow. Sure. So numerous trails here in the front country area, the majority of which start from behind the visitor center, which is only about a mile into the park along the Denali Park Road. So from the visitor center, they have a multitude of information as well as rangers available to answer questions about hiking. But there's anything from easy to strenuous uh, located right in this front country area. And when we do say front country, I think one of the distinguishing things is front country and back country. And front country we refer to as the first 15 miles where private vehicles are allowed to drive. And once you get beyond that point, it's all referred to as the back country. So just for future reference as we throw these terms around loosely so folks know. Yeah, but uh, like I said, multitude of trails. Um, There's easy trails that are relatively flat along rivers. There's some with gradual inclines and declines. We have the Mount Healy Overlook Trail, which is not too far from the visitor center that uh, goes up onto an overlook. It's about 2,000 feet of elevation gain. Uh, to get up, it does offer amazing views of the valley, and you can see Mount Denali from the overlook uh, on days when that mountain is visible. Horseshoe Trail? Horseshoe Trail, very, very popular trail. Um, just remember, going down is optional. Coming up is mandatory. <laughs> As uh, it, you do go down a bit at the very start of the trail, but once you get down there, it is beautiful uh, loop around a lake. Oftentimes, folks see uh, beavers, moose, lynx, uh, was very popular down there this year. Uh, you never know what you're going to see uh, on any hike or any bus trip. Uh, one of the things that I've learned over the years up here is you can take the same hike or the same bus trip at the same time every day for a week, and your experience is going to be vastly different every single day. Triple Lakes. Triple Lakes, the longest trail uh, in Denali. Uh, it's uh, it's over nine miles one way. It starts on the southern boundary. Uh, along the highway down next to the Denali Park Village and Grizzly Bear Resorts and travels to the visitor center again over nine miles one way Um, a very underutilized trail because I think the length scares a a lot of novice hikers let's say Um, because you can encounter anything along the trails Um, and that is by far the the quietest trail in the area but there are, one of my favorites there are two trails uh along savage river where the person can bring their individual car park it there and hike talk about those two trails sure so there's the savage loop trail it's about a mile up and a mile back uh, along the savage river right there at the end of where you can drive uh, mile 15. there's also the savage alpine trail 
which I don't have the specifics in front of me, but it does uh, travel from mile 15 there at the end back to mile 12, an area known as Mountain Vista. Uh, a wonderful hike, a relatively new trail uh, compared to the others here in Denali. And while you can drive to mile 15, um, it is recommended if you are willing to leave your vehicle at the visitor center here at the entrance and take the Savage River shuttle. It's a free shuttle that travels out there. It's to help reduce the impact. Uh, parking is extremely limited out in that area. So if you're not out there right away during the day, it's, it's unlikely you'll find a place to park while you're out there. So taking the Savage River shuttle, which leaves roughly about every hour from the visitor center from, oh, let's say six or seven in the morning through the early evening, uh, it's a wonderful way to get out there, do some hiking, and then catch one of those shuttles to come back later in the day. If somebody has forgotten food or snacks, what locations can they pick up something at the park? Yep, so here in the park, the Denali Bus Depot, the Riley Creek Mercantile, would have some snacks and some grab-and-go items. Adjacent to the Visitor Center on the Visitor Center campus is the Merino Grill, and that's going to be a full-service lunch, um, lunch food, grab-and-go, coffee cart, um, soups, salads, sandwiches, burgers, things like that. And then once they pass that, there is no more food in the rest of the park. There is no more food. There's no more potable water. You are on your own. You must have everything with you you'll need. Uh, we can say that till we're blue in the face <laughs> to everybody that goes out on a bus, but ultimately that message does get missed from time to time. Um, so it is very important that people have everything they need. Let's talk about some commonly asked questions. Sure. Um, we've, you've done a great job of covering so many aspects of how a person, uh, what they can experience here. We're Denali National Park, so we're, how, do, how does one see the mountain from the park? Mm -hmm. Or where does one see the mountain from the park? There's, these are going to be some great questions because, once again, Denali is a super confusing place. So Denali can be seen from various points along the park road. Um, it is possible to catch some glimpses of it in that first 15 miles where private vehicles are allowed to travel. You're going to be 80, 85 miles away from it, but you'd still be able to see it on those clear days. For viewing, for those that are interested in taking a tour, the Tundra Wilderness Tour turns around at mile 62, which is known as Stony Hill. It's the first place along the park road where on a clear day you can see the entire mountain from base to summit. It's over 18,000 feet of vertical rise, and it is an absolutely amazing sight when, when you can see it. For transit buses, uh, since they run various lengths all along the park road, there are going to be various places where you have an opportunity to see Mount Denali. So very common question, which bus goes to Denali? Uh, none of them. There's only the one road into the park. Then they offer different vantage points as you travel further. Which trip is for me? I think you want to determine, do you want the narrated tour educational experience with the upgraded technology on the Tundra Wilderness Tour, or do you want the option to do some hiking and biking and get off and ride the transit buses? The longer you spend on a bus, the farther you go, the more opportunities you have to see wildlife, uh, view Mount Denali, ask questions of your driver, learn new things. So. Don't let the times spook you on your trip to Denali. It's oftentimes people's bucket list to come to this park, maybe once in a lifetime type trip. So take advantage when you do come here 
oftentimes folks underestimate how long it takes to get to Denali. You want a full day in Denali for your bus excursion if you decide to do one. Don't think you're going to travel to back to Anchorage after your bus trip or travel from Anchorage or Fairbanks or Talkeetna before your bus trip. It is a long ways from all of those places. So if you're camping, whether you're you know camping at a, a campground or in an RV or you're staying at one of the hotels just outside, definitely take the time and spend a full day just to take the bus in Denali and don't cheat yourself out of a wonderful experience. Can a person fish in the park? They can. They can. The uh, regulations have changed a few times during my tenure here, so I don't want to give the wrong information here. Checking out the Denali website, uh, the National Park Service Denali website, is going to provide the most accurate information on how to fish. Now, Denali is too far north to experience the salmon runs that Alaska is, is known for, so you're not going to find those here. Some Arctic grayling, uh, a little bit of trout in a couple spots maybe, uh, but so many of our rivers that you see on the park road at least are glacially fed and they have the silt. So fish is certainly not an abundant commodity um, here in Denali. So Jason, one thing we've really covered today is the importance of planning to come to this park. Mm -hmm. Let's kind of do a little bit of a review on how a person can reduce their stress level by planning to come to Denali National Park and how they go about that process and some things to know along the way that will be helpful. Sure. So first and foremost, two excellent resources are going to be our website, reservedenali.com, and the National Park Service Denali website. Uh, they are pretty much have links that go back and forth between the two of them to provide as much information as possible on the park. You definitely want to, when you can, have advanced reservations, whether that is for campgrounds, whether that is for bus trips. It will lower your stress level knowing that you've secured a spot at a campground or a seat on a bus before you get here. For those that don't plan ahead, it is highly unlikely that when you arrive, there would be seats available for same day bus trips. Um, the next like one to two days out, we'll likely have space, but it's, it's rare that same day availability would remain for those that don't plan ahead. So if you show up, don't have tickets and you're sold out for that day, uh, you still can drive out to mile 15. You can uh, take in the dog kennels. The National Park operates dog kennels uh, as winter patrol in Denali Park. So they oftentimes, uh, it's been not a thing the last couple of years because of COVID, but they often operate dog sled demonstrations at certain times throughout the day. Those buses depart from the visitor center two or three times a day, travel the mile and a half up to park headquarters uh, where the park service uh, lets you mingle with the dogs, meet the dogs, and then they'll hook them up to a sled and demonstrate what it's like in the wintertime and take some Q&A from the folks up there. It's a free experience, uh, one of the last great free things left in the world, <laughs> um, and wonderful for everyone of all ages to take in. I think a lot of people don't realize that we are non-motorized in the winter, mm -hmm. and our dogs are essential for patrolling the park, for keeping the wildlife 
uh, wild and not having motorized vehicles. We're not running snowmobiles through here, anything like that. And so they are one of the facets that make Denali National Park unique. Yeah, I, I, I want to caution, you know, I am not a representative of the Park Service, so I don't want to say we, but I'll refer to the <laughs> National Park Service. Um, they take the wilderness boundaries very seriously. And so in the wintertime, you cannot operate a snowmobile uh, in the wilderness boundary of the park. And to maintain the soundscape, they will operate their sled dogs to do uh, freight hauling, supply hauling, uh, winter patrols. Sled dogs don't break down like a motorized vehicle does. And if you are going to be in Denali, uh, carve out a little bit of time to visit the sled dogs at park headquarters. It's a, it's a neat experience. So to sum things up, let's talk a little bit about when you are planning your trip, some highlights or summaries to definitely keep in mind. Absolutely. So number one, visit the websites. Get the information that you need to make a decision on which bus trip you want to take. Uh, if you want to do some camping, then make those reservations as well but especially for the bus trips. Find the date and the time you wish to depart. For tours, it's a little bit different. You have to reconfirm that time using the Reserve Denali website about two days before your trip to uh, find your departure time. For transit buses, you select your departure time when you, at the time of booking. And the reason is, again, transit operates like a city transit schedule, and they're going to run on a schedule. Whereas the tour buses have some flexibility built in for wildlife viewing um, and some educational stops that the transit buses don't necessarily have, but the tour buses are on demand and the schedule changes every day, which is why folks have to confirm their departure time two days in advance. Paperwork. So, yeah, kind of. You can do it on the website. It's pretty easy to do. So get your reservations have your paperwork with you when you arrive. At the very least, have your itinerary number. Uh, it'll start 3000 and it'll be something. Uh, make sure you have either the paperwork or that number when you arrive. Get checked in for bus trips. You wanna be checked in uh, and arrive 20 minutes minimum before your departure time with all the food and water with you that you'll need for the day. And be prepared, bring layers. The weather oftentimes can be very different from when you leave to when you get back and even different spots in the park, whether it be windier, hotter, cooler, rainy, sunny. There are days where it might be raining sideways when you depart and you get an hour into your trip and it's a beautiful sunny day. Um, so layers, food and water, and- Binoculars, Binoculars, cameras. your cameras. Again, you're not gonna have cell phone service about 10 minutes after that bus departs. So flip it into airplane mode, use it as a camera, and just enjoy your time away from all the distractions of everyday life and get out into the wilderness and see what Denali's all about. So you've been up here for 14 years. If somebody comes to Denali for the first time, mm -hmm. in your personal opinion, taking off your GM hat, what is it that you think is very important for that first time visitor to know, to see, to do? Sure. Just a little advice. Yep. Um, Denali is a different place. It doesn't operate like a lot of national parks. So for those folks who've been to several national parks and are expecting to see the grand entrance gate and are expecting to be able to drive their vehicle 
that doesn't work here. Um, it's a special, very protected place that's not overrun with folks because of the bus system. So while it may seem like a disadvantage to not be able to drive yourself, getting on a bus with several other folks while you let a driver drive you and on a tour bus guide you along your excursion out into the wilderness really takes the stress off of the trip. You don't have to worry about driving on that road. It's its own thing. Uh, your job is to enjoy yourself, look at the vistas, look at what's been protected here in this amazing place. The Park Service has done a wonderful job uh, to make it the wilderness experience that it's known for. And if you're here for the first time, you may not see the mountain. You may not see that one wildlife that you were looking for. But you're going to have an amazing time and hopefully come away with the understanding of how important wild places are and maybe what one could do in their own community to help these wild places. Nice thoughts. Jason, thanks so much for being our guest today. Hey, thank you. My pleasure. is a production of Denali 360 LLC. Interviews are edited by Josiah Robinson. Podcast artwork designed by Daniel Karapedian. Theme song written and recorded by Jonathan and Brooke East. Special content and sponsorship recorded by James Rio. I am your host, Nova Cunningham. For more information on Denali Park, Alaska, go to Denali360.com.